Some call me Steve, Dad, Husband or Friend. Others might call me Boss, Coach or Mentor. Today you can call me the Leadership Hacker. Thanks for listening in, I really appreciate it. My job as the Leadership Hacker is to hack into the minds, experiences, habits and learning of great leaders, C-suite executives, authors and development experts so that I can assist you developing your understanding and awareness of leadership. I'm Steve Rush and I'm your host today. I'm the author of Leadership Cake, I'm a transformation consultant and leadership coach and can't wait to start sharing all things leadership with you. Our special guest on today's show is Penny Dillon. He's a chairman and CEO of Sky Bioscience and also author of Catapult. But before we get a chance to speak with Panit, it's the Leadership Hacker News. It's easy to get caught up in the great resignation craze of quitting. It's human nature that makes us see where millions of people are doing something, we follow along with that herd mentality that is millions of years old. And it's quite understandable after almost two years of enduring a pandemic and seeing loved ones get sick and pass away, it changes our outlook on life. And that realisation that life is actually quite short, we're all going to go through a collective thinking of what we should do with the rest of our lives. Finding a new job with purpose, meaning and more money is alluring, especially when you're stuck in a going nowhere role with a boss who micromanages your every move. Here's the leadership hack. Before you follow the crowd and make the big leap of going after a new shiny job, Take the time to think deeply about why you're doing this in the first place. There's an overwhelming narrative when it comes to searching for a new job and it's deep within you. The default is it's usually your boss, and often is by the way. And you often will be giving yourself some internal dialogue that sounds like it's their fault. You've got to move on, you've got to get away. Sometimes this is the case, but actually it could be you. It's really convenient to blame everyone else. But there may be other issues involved as well. So consider this, if you're just running away from a problem, when you secure a new role, will the problem repeat itself? Will you be happy? Will you still feel dissatisfied? Most of us are too self-critical. We dwell with our shortcomings are. Our inner coach gives us negative thoughts that play around in our heads. And while we're all grown up adults, we still carry around the burden of past trauma, failures, insecurities, and if we're fortunate enough learnings, There is the desperate hope that by quitting we'll magically become a new and different person and with a new job everything will fall neatly into place. The new environment will be our cure and make us happy. So while it may be an answer, it may not be. Switching jobs may not make the difference at all. You might end up just as miserable and thinking and behaving the same way. It's similar to when you travel or you move. That initial feeling of euphoria of being in a new world or a new house can be really alluring and great. As time goes by, it becomes normal. And why? Well, you're the same person. As time goes by, you realise the same person with the same challenges is now just in a different location. So my hack to you is think before you make that great resignation greater. Because your opportunity could be just under your nose if you looked hard enough for it. We love sharing stories that you bring to our attention, so please keep doing so. That's been the Leisure Hacker News. Let's get into the show. Joining me today is Panit Dillon. He's the chairman and CEO of Sky Bioscience. He's an entrepreneur, 
keen athlete and author of the book Catapult, How to Think Like a Corporate Athlete to Strengthen Your Resilience. The neat welcome to the Leadership Hacker podcast. Thank you so much uh, for having me, Steve. Pleasure. Looking forward to getting into your story. I was particularly inspired about the stories that you shared when we first met. So perhaps for those that have not been familiar with your work or your your company, just give us a little bit of your backstory. Yeah, so I'm a, I, I basically have been a athlete uh, growing growing up, but then uh, uh, as of uh, the last twenty years, been focused on the life science space. So uh, happy uh, and very uh, lucky to be regarded um, as an entrepreneur in that in that area. And in terms of uh, what the different work that we've done, uh, I've been uh, developing. Um, a lot, uh, you know, a couple different uh, technologies in in my last twenty years. Uh, my la- most recent company that I was involved with was uh, working on a cancer immunotherapy drug, and presently we're working on a novel class of molecules for an ophthalmology application or or various ophthalmology applications. So um, I think uh, by working in the life science industry, it's been very rewarding, and I've had a wonderful uh, set of teams that I've been a part of, and lucky to be uh, continuing to work with some of them over the last two decades. So it's been, uh, it's been, it's been quite a pleasure. Yeah. So if we peel that back a little bit, there are a couple of things in your early life that set you on your journey, if you like, into becoming an athlete and indeed how that then transferred into your ways of working at business. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So it's been uh, the, the discipline of growing up as an athlete really has stuck with me and it carried into my professional career. And, and that's what, uh, you know, that's what I kind of have written about, but I, I started um, as a competitive swimmer and then moved into uh, uh, rowing uh, university. And then after that, I, I had basically, um, an opportunity to move to the U.S. where I, I started in life science uh, industry. Actually, didn't do as as much uh, anything competitive at that point. I was still working out regularly, but uh, then I became um, pretty comfortable as a runner uh, and started participating in in different like half marathons and marathons. And and in my early 30s or like as I was turning 30 I kind of had a, a bucket list thing that I wanted to accomplish and it was a, a, a doing an Ironman and um, and I, I I basically got hooked on on uh, triathlon so I've been uh, competing in triathlons in the last over the last 10 years uh, on and off and uh, I still enjoy endurance sports so essentially that that has been a very interesting parallel for me that relates really well to the professional work. I, I guess, you know, we were talking about this earlier, uh, leaning into what, what it takes to complete uh, an Ironman or any, any, any triathlon for that matter, or, or even just, just endurance training it, itself. There, there has um, a, a real connection in terms of uh, the component of drive um, there is mental aptitude involved. It, it's, I think it's really helped me uh, in terms of being able to process a lot and, ha- and, it's, and it's really shaped my approach to life and the approach I take into work and, and in a broader sense. We're going to dive into this and we're going to have a look at some of those parallels in a little while. But for, again, those who have not bumped into Sky Bioscience, tell us a little bit about the current areas of work and, and how that's evolving for you. Yeah, it's very exciting. So I, I had the 
opportunity of seeing what what evolved in the cancer immunotherapy space. I started uh, my last company in 2010. Um, well, actually, it was formed in 2011, but kind of the business plan was being written in 2010. And when I when I began that company, um, we, there was only one kind of new uh, drug de- uh, launched in the can- in the in the current uh, era of cancer immunotherapy. So, over the last decade, really saw what uh, has transpired in terms of anyone that that is diagnosed with cancer they have a lot more options uh, there is um, uh, there's a lot of success in terms of these immunotherapies being highly personalized to have that response that patients are looking for uh, in the current company I'm working working in it's an earlier stage uh, but it's similarly tackling a very interesting opportunity where uh, the the uh, endocannabinoid system, which is a, a network of receptors is linked to a whole range of different diseases from kind of neurological dis- disorders to central nervous system disorders. And then there's also, you know, this link to the ap- uh, ophthalmology applications. So we've tried to kind of narrow in the field here and say, see if we can change the biology in the eye by utilizing this, this, uh, this unique, mechanism that's a that's at play with these different receptors and um we're developing um a, our initial drug um at, uh, for glaucoma and what we've been able to demonstrate to date is that it's doing it's showing a really good uh, activity uh, biologically and uh we we're about to start a, our first clinical trial so this now is about recapitulating the data that we've seen to date in animals uh in in humans and uh, we uh, were quite excited about that. Uh, that, I think, uh, for um, for the entire industry, uh, in, in terms of the area that we're, we're in, really lays the, the, the bedrock for a lot more um, opportunity uh, in terms of utilizing uh, this, this side of uh, human biology. It's such a fascinating subject. As you're talking it through, I can see that actually what you're doing is really groundbreaking. It's, it's fundamentally shifting the outcomes that people can expect to receive, right? Absolutely. And that's the, that's, the, that's the fascinating thing about life sciences. I mean, there's one frustrating side of it that it takes, long, it takes a long time to develop drugs. And there's, a, there's quite a process. It's not like you, you, know, you come up with an application and all of a sudden it's, uh, it's, it's utilized. Technology companies are, are notorious for being able to uh, demonstrate kind of proof of concept to, to something you're holding in your hand relatively quickly in, in life sciences, there's definitely a longer lead time. However, um, yeah, this, this, uh, this, there's certain science that, you know, that's underway today, uh, that is truly groundbreaking and necessary. You know, these, unfortunately what's happening in, in ophthalmology applications, uh, patients develop tolerance to some of the existing drugs. Um, they they become ineffective. Mm. So, uh, there is a need for, uh, um, uh, having uh, a, a disease management or or you know change uh, uh, to to be um, uh, uh, to be available for these patients or options to be available for these patients. So this is what I think uh, we you know, we can we can accomplish with the technology that we're developing right now. And then on the business side of the equation, it's also exciting because big pharma, who will ultimately be where you know we we will try to exit uh, the. Uh, the last company I was involved with, we had an opportunity to partner with Merck. 
sim similarly, uh, big pharma has the need to have uh, new intellectual property and new drugs. So as a serial entrepreneur in such a really niche area of business, how do you just keep innovating? Where do these ideas come from? So there's the, there's a huge amount of patience from my from from the teams that we're working with. I think um, it's a it's the the ideas are always there. There's there's just there's so much inspiration around us, right? Um, I, that's what I love about uh, in my particular case. I feel like I have this very uh, good creative bug about me, but then it's uh, it's also balancing that with the reality check. You know, you have the important people around you that um, can can uh, make it pragmatic in terms of the way that uh, things can be developed. So in um, in life sciences, there's no shortage, I think, of, of similar types of creativity and opportunities that we can explore. It, it's, uh, it's, it's just trying to be pragmatic about the resources in order to deploy it. So now what's interesting as is, is a, could have been, I've been in the industry now for 20 years. I actually started on the on the healthcare fund side. So I worked at a venture capital fund and then moved into the operational side of and been, been in operational roles for the last uh, 20 years. But the the great thing we're seeing today, I mean, compared to 10 years ago, even is the intersection of these different industries now. Uh, and um, I even touch on this in the in in Catapult, where uh, I, at the, my last chapter is called like Mavericks, and and it's a uh, it's it's really a call to action that there's very important themes that are still underway today, uh, macro level. <clears throat> you can take that and apply that in in any industry. Uh, I see intersections between AI and life science happening right in front of us in terms of uh, mm. opportunities we're looking at. We see yeah. opportunities of deep learning, you know, being applied um, on uh, being able to rapidly scale up drugs. You look at what happened with the COVID nineteen vaccines, you know, that they were able to sequence the uh, the virus and and come up with uh, uh, several solutions and and rapidly move them through development. And you saw entire industries kind of come together. Uh, in order to make it happen from the manufacturing that's necessary to the science, to the scale up, to the distribution, you know, the, everyone was um, talking about, you know, taking it, taking five years before you can get a vaccine. And, and we saw it uh, uh, unfold in front of us within a year. Uh, that, that's quite impressive. I would imagine that also gives you the permission as an organization to, to think that you can scale quicker than you maybe have done in the past. So having had that experience around you, it unlocks different thinking as well, doesn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I've been, I benefited from coming from the corporate finance side um, and it's a very regulated industry um, life sciences, but understanding operations, understanding kind of the governance side and then these international components, business building, licensing, there's so many moving parts. So I, I've really enjoyed as much as the, the, there's a component of life sciences that sometimes sounds like it's like, oh, it's, it's move, moves like molasses. You're actually running super fast and it, it doesn't, it, uh, it may not always seem 
fast on the outside looking in, uh, but inside it's been uh, amazing to see that that growth. And and there's always an inflection in, required in in early stage companies, early stage industries, and we're we're in that right now. I mean, we're, I'm working in an area um, that is truly in a kind of a novel area. There's there's not many companies in this space. There's a limited amount of data, but there's an impressive set of data as well. And there's been a few companies that have that have already proven, um, you know, how this is uh, this is an, an effective um, uh, development uh, 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 space. So so. I, I expect there there to be like any industry, like there is going to be a, literally a hockey stick uh, style growth um, that happens eventually once you prove uh, that efficacy. Yeah, fascinating stuff. I will watch with absolute closeness. Thank you. You wrote the book Catapult, which really you talk around is that parallels earlier from your training and resilience as an athlete and the application at work. What was the moment that you thought, right, I've got something here that I could share with others. I'm going to write it down. Well, it didn't happen until after I wrote like what a hundred thousand words so, <laughs> it's for the case, right? So like, because yeah, so I I didn't I didn't originally plan to share this outside. Like, this was this was an this was a, a function of what happened, uh, what we all went through in in um, in twenty twenty, right? Where uh, a, a lot you know the pandemic uh, you know forced us to be in indoors and and slow down and you know, take stock of kind of our lives, right? So there was a, definitely a component of me uh, having that opportunity. And then the other side of it was I, I was also uh, hitting a personal milestone. So I've, I, I always wanted to kind of sit down and write down what I believe in, in terms of my own principles of what, what have I learned over the last 20 years and what would I have told myself in if I if I had the opportunity to tell myself 20 years earlier what you know what what would be the way to do it, mm. uh, I talk about this sometimes with my my wife and in the last the last 10 years like I've been in, I've been living in San Diego I've only appreciated the lifestyle that San Diego brings in, the, in really in the last five to 10 years and maybe it's partially because the kids are older and so forth but but the other aspect of it the reality has been that, that you I I I didn't take advantage of that beautiful lifestyle that Southern California brings I, yeah. in the early part of my career. I was very focused on working hard, you know, working those long hours and, and, um, and putting in that, that time. And um, as you get to a certain you know stage in your life, you're like, you're able to kind of look past a lot of different, a lot of those types of things and, and be a bit more reflective of how to be not only efficient, but at the same time, um, more more purpose driven in terms of the, how these other aspects impact our lives. So, catapult um, was was an opportunity to do that. I I was in one respect, I, I I feel very blessed with the opportunities of working with several different people, having the chance of building these different companies and the technologies, and and truly, it's been rewarding because you're seeing. Uh, you know, uh, you're seeing that these drugs actually save people's lives. So, what, you know, I, I haven't, I'm, I have to pinch myself in terms of the, the the opportunities that we had. So that was a was a was an opportunity in a period where I was just really focused on saying, well, I don't know if I'm going to be able to uh, have that same definition of success 
in the next phase of my life. You know, there's a certain trajectory that comes with your, your going into your forties. I feel, I feel like, and then right. a different trajectory afterwards. And it's, it, and it's nothing to do with age. I think it's just, there's an author, David Brooks. He, he kind of talks about it in two mountains uh, in terms of the first mountain of your life. It's like, a, it's basically a checklist, right? You have to finish your school and you, you maybe do higher, uh, higher degree and, and then you get your you're established in your career and, and you want to start a family and sta- stabilize your life with a with with you know the, the things that are necessary the food shelter type of equation like the basic needs maslow's are maslow's hierarchy right and then uh once those things are in place then you're really moving on to your second mountain and your second mountain ends up being a lot more about self-fulfillment and um and and that's the thing I think that I was wrestling with as a as an individual. Uh, I, I believe I I've had a uh, a lot of wonderful opportunity in this first segment of my life, but how do I define that same success going forward for myself? And 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 you know whatever quote unquote what what does that trajectory look like? It may not mean that it's like you know the same. It's not the same definitions that that were that were very prescriptive i guess in the in the first in the first 20 years yeah i like it and also i guess whilst it's not about age yeah it is definitely about experience though isn't it so you know you know some people get over that first mountain really quick yeah some take much longer to get over it but i think all of us can recognize that at some point we go okay now where am i going where's this all heading mm-hmm. and in order for us to really tap into that, that's where that corporate athlete can really help us. So you talk about this corporate athlete with having some core foundations and themes, behaviors that are associated with them. I wonder if you could just share those with us. Yeah. So, I, so as a corporate athlete, it's really this aspect that strengthening resilience can help you attain the success that you want to achieve. So I believe there's so many similarities in behavior and training and approach that both the athlete and call it a corporate athlete face um, uh, to really realize their dream and, and then lead to, to whatever breakthrough or, you know, sometimes it's innovative, it's an innovative breakthrough. Sometimes it's just a personal breakthrough. And that's really the underlying premise of the book. And I feel uh, I use this word blessed a lot, but I, I, I have to kind of state it because I wouldn't take kind of re redefine anything or re re um, redesign any component of what my experience has been in growing up. Uh, I, I was raised in India. I grew up in, in East Vancouver in, um, in, in, in Canada, and then had an opportunity to move, move to the U S to work in a, in a career and, and had the opportunity to also work with companies that not only were incredibly successful, but they also had their own challenges along the way, you know, probably, been at the brink of like insolvency working in startups uh, half a dozen times in my career, which is interesting in itself. So all of those things, um, all of those aspects, uh, uh, I think have a definition of resilience. So I, I, I believe that I'm kind of wired to like to go through the hard stuff in order to experience the, the positives and the benefits out of it. It's, um, I don't know how often your, your wife's making you train, train with her for, for the Ironman, but, but, uh, you know, when you, when you go, when you go about training, you know, like, let's just take a, a, a bike, 
a bike session, you, you usually uh, want to work that hill and and do what's required to get up get up a, a steep mountain climb or whatever. Uh, and then the reward is usually getting coming down it, you know, coming down it fast or just it's uh, it's the it's it's the fun part of the the, uh, the session. And I so I enjoy that climb because I like enjoying the satisfaction of the feeling on the other side of it. That's interesting. And yeah. a lot of people just don't take enough stock or notice of that important part of that climb. Yeah. Um, in anything. So, uh, by the way, she, she absolutely loves climbing hills and, but I absolutely hate it and we have different perspectives of it. So, you know, she gets this real rush of, yeah. We, and we all hate, yeah. It. She gets this rush of energy that gets her up there. I get, yeah. I, I, I yeah. do the opposite. I have the rush of energy of, I've got to hold it in. I've got to hold it in and get to the top of the climb. And then boy, I, I really can, I can fly down the hill the other side. Yeah. And therefore, mindset has got a massive part to play in this too, hasn't it? 100%. Because people will come from it from different perspectives. Yeah, and, that, and that's that's the thing. So I, I, whenever anybody gives me a challenge, I'm like, I'm just like, I'm in the, like, I'm in the happy place. Like that is something that is, is just, uh, I've lucked out in terms of being able to really take advantage of seeing these difficult situations and having a half glass half empty type of uh, attitude about anything so it's not always pretty but I do really well in that situation and partially what I do well uh, in is visualizing what that outcome looks like on the other end right so it's that translation of I already am picturing what the success looks like at the other end of that and I try to kind of recapitulate that to the best of my ability uh, on the on the on the on the completion. So, yeah, this book was a, about encapsulating a lot of that, and and I believe as a as an ath- athletes, they go through a lot of that. They go through visualization techniques. They go through a lot of rigorous training. They go through a lot of pain in order to reap the rewards and have the discipline then to compete at a, at the world stage. Um, so. I haven't had the same, you know, same level of uh, success being able to compete at the world stage, but I've uh, also uh, benefited from from training uh, at a pretty elite level um, throughout my career. So I was, I was, um, I, you know, I've tried to apply those things into day to day in terms of even working with my team. So if you think of the component parts of being a corporate athlete, you've got things like mental aptitude, holding yourself accountable to the things you commit to making sure that you've got a real strong regime of training that is not just regular training but it's endurance which means it gets stronger and deeper and then of course you have this focus drive element that you call out in your book of those kind of four themes is there one that's more important than the other or do you think they're all interrelated i I believe they're all interrelated and each one of them stands uh, uh you know capable of of being on its own you just have to recognize that they are a big part of it i mean i've looked at this trapezium situation many ways and i purposely designed it in a way that it has an open openness to it so there's not a pyramid there's no closure to it so a big part of it is this the fact that you by defining your purpose or defining your individual like kind of understanding of what's that engine 
that's that's in inside of you and what's leading you that is a, a big part of the source of motivation and the source of determination so if if we were to prioritize that is a is a very important part of it the other components like accountability the physical capacity the emotional intelligence and the mental capacity those are all helping helping really support that and and to really achieve that impact that you're looking for i think one thing if i was now that this book has had a, a bit of time to breathe um <laughs> i've been even kind of reflecting on it further is like is my message coming across too harsh in terms of does everyone have to make some sort of significant impact or dent on the planet i i don't think that that has to be the case it has to be kind of your own personal definition of what that dent is so sometimes people get lost in trying to make a connection with whatever their purpose has to be something that's you know too lofty or not communicating enough to themselves in terms of what is maybe right in front of them i really am challenging people to go and and make spend the time to understand your purpose and and define what that means for for yourself and don't try to compare yourself to you know Oprah Winfrey's purpose or whoever else you know there's there's everyone has a different definition of that mm. and in order to help you achieve that second mountain um that it's the underlying you know these underlying components i wonder how many people who don't end up feeling like they've had this impact on life get stuck because they perceive the journey to be too big the second mountain is too big rather than actually looking at themselves internally versus looking at external events happening around them yeah absolutely that's why it's i think it's a really important question you asked about what what of these things are most important because everyone has to take a very holistic approach and that that that's why this joy component that's emphasized in this book is a very um another important lens to that equation so it's this proverbial balance in life doesn't exist for anyone um you have uh you most often we're working towards our professional goals and we're working towards our personal goals and we're working towards our individual goals um so finding joy in work in yourself and in life is part of the necessary thing that helps you continue to have that that nuclear engine inside of you as well that keeps that keeps uh spinning so that you have that source of motivation uh joy is 100% linked i believe to having giving somebody that intrinsic motivation to actually do what they ultimately want to do i like that there's so many people you bump into who hate getting up in the morning going to work yeah. they go around in these routines they get stuck almost and it's because they can't find joy because joy is emotionally unlocks everything else right yeah and i hate it i hate like when people get stuck trying to define what other people's routines and and their own other people's definitions are for themselves like this is why like you know i guess this uh, the health industry does this this is really well where they you know they're everyone's always hawking the the next plan and whatever the next diet regime or you know or workout regime or what, whatever it's 
so people try to implement their model onto onto someone else mm. and i i tried to avoid this in this book it's like i i was trying to be very clear that these are my principles that i believe that help and what it is is it's it's giving you a framework but please 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 spend the time to identify your own set of principles that work work for you and and that this is this takes time and effort you know people how often are people sitting down and writing down what their principles are so the the uh, the um but the point that you that you raise is really important like that we don't have to follow you know anyone else's routine if it brings you joy to wake up at nine o'clock and start your day with uh you know a croissant rather than starting your day with a 30 you know 30 minute run then i like i i don't see anything wrong with that it's just like it's really you know you you've got to really navigate for yourself what what it means to get to wherever you're going in terms of your motivation of course underlying that there are still things like you have to take good good care of your health and you have to take good care of your mental health and and um and 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 be be continuing to be accountable to yourself to be a high performer but the definition of high performance is different for everyone and it doesn't need to be like what first images that come to mind when we say the words high performing uh i i think that's that's what uh that's what's unfortunately um you know gets very frustrating for people and the people then, then people lose lose that joy and that energy that that is pretty intrinsic in everyone yes 100 percent. and for anybody listening to this now who are thinking i can never run an iron man or i could never perform in an iron man or run a marathon or take up a new sport that is absolutely just a mindset now respectfully there are also some physical things that might be going on around them but it doesn't have to equally be an Ironman. It could just be a personal best in something. It could be starting something new. It could be leading a different team, getting different results. So it's absolutely about personalizing some of those principles and behaviors, isn't it? Absolutely, 100%. So that's, that's just, this is why um, I think that philosophy of that mindset is where we all need to continue to, to focus on. I, I'm very happy that you know, like my, my nine-year-old, you can talk to her any, any day and she'll, she'll always quote somewhere along the line about having a growth mindset. And, and I don't know where she picked it up. Obviously she's, she's got some, some strong influences around her, but, but it reminds me to always also have that growth, growth mindset. Does, yeah. You know, it's like, it, it's just, uh, yeah. So it's, it's, you're right. It's like we, uh, we sometimes get, caught up with all of the other noise uh, in our lives and we forget the the simple things like that and uh, it's sometimes just starting something different maybe try your routine different or work with your uh, work with your your team differently so our folks listening to this will be familiar that this is where we start to hack into your leadership brain start to get all of those experiences and shortlist them into your top three leadership hacks what would they be my top three leadership hacks Okay, well, I definitely use lists. I talk about that, um, so that that is a is a big part of of my daily routine is a is a checklist. Uh, so I'm I'm a I'm a big list person. I use a top three. I use a longer list of ten things, but every day there's three things that 
have to get done and it's, it's regarded as the top three. Otherwise, you know, I, I do use lists uh, often. Number two has been really about being myself. I find that that's a constant reminder in terms of everyone that you're around uh, is just to be be yourself. And and that's a big part of the uh, the, the first part of this book is called True Accountability. And, and, it, and I've kind of tried to define a formula around that. And the uh, the third has been um, try to enjoy Friday Friday nights, <laughs> like that's that's been that's been a, a big part of uh, I don't know, like as long as I can think you know I I I, uh, I try to have a lime margarita or something like that or you know just just <laughs> in, remind myself that there is um, you know a lot a lot a lot to be thankful for you have to find joy and sometimes really make room for it. Um, in the book, I, you know, I have a talk, I talk about different routines that, and uh, so people can kind of dive into that, but sometimes it's a Sunday on Sunday nights and other times it's a margarita on Friday nights. Yeah. And it's a reward too. Oh yeah. Right. For, for all of the disciplines and you, you know, that you apply in your life and work, we all, we all still need that reward, don't we? Yeah. And by the way, there's the obvious ones that I have to wake up in the morning and work start my day with uh, working out. So I guess the, one of the biggest leadership hacks that I can emphasize is that uh, I really take pride in owning the morning. So if you get the morning right, it really helps you set yourself up for success the rest of the day. Mm. So um, by really taking the time to own that morning and, and organize yourself, and that means you know, starting the time that allows you to do that uh it really helps you be successful throughout the day without being uh, feeling fr- uh, flustered the rest of the time great advice next part of the show we call it hack to attack so this is typically where something hasn't worked out well but as a result we've learned from it and it's now a force of good in what we do so what would be your hack to attack lack of planning there's definitely been a couple of situations uh, in my career where not having a plan has basically been like a plan to fail when we're developing uh, different uh, drugs and there's quite a extensive process involved and most often uh, clinical trials is kind of your measurement point along the way. So there's different stage gate decisions that lead to a clinical trial. But once a clinical trial is underway, um, I think um, um, many people get kind of caught up or different companies have get caught up with just, getting to that inflection point and not properly planning for um, the success of, of uh, ensuring that the trial can go smoothly. Sometimes that's linked to enrollment and sometimes it's linked to the appropriate resources. And in, in um, I've been through a situation where both of those were uh, not properly uh, kind of not not properly sought after in terms of the resources and the bandwidth that was required in order for us to really succeed in the time that was given. So what it ended up leading to was uh, uh, over budget, uh, not being able to um, complete the, the trial in the amount of time that we've had, had allocated and uh, we didn't uh, get to our end goal uh, in, in time. A very basic example, but it's a is a very important one in in our industry because um, yeah, I think sometimes entrepreneurs or just teams uh, can get caught up with just feeling like okay, we just got to get there, and and once we start that, it'll it'll happen, but it's not anything like that. You're always having to think way past 
you know, past that. And then the, uh, uh, talk about this, about thinking past the finish line. Mm-hmm. This is, this is a very important um, uh, takeaway for this is that in, in anything that you're doing, you, you're, sometimes your, your mind is only set on achieving that goal that you had set and, and it could be lofty or important or whatever it is, but it's most often getting to that is usually not the problem. It's actually following through and finishing uh, whatever, you know, is required after that. And so thinking past the finish line is a critical one. And in my case, uh, in that clinical trial, we ended up getting to the end result, but it wasn't pretty in terms of getting, getting there. We almost ran out of money as a company. We took too long. Uh, the number of uh, patients um, uh, that we had to enroll in the study had to get larger. And then we had to go to more sites around the world. And uh, and a lot of those things could have been avoided earlier on. It's an old cliche, but the whole fail to plan, plan to fail philosophy, isn't it? Exactly right. Yeah. 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 So yeah. last part of the show, we get to give you a chance to do some time travel, bump back into yourself at 21 and give yourself some advice. What would it be? I think uh, my advice, my advice to myself would have been um, to uh, take more time to soak it in, uh, in terms of the different experiences. Oftentimes, we work with some really wonderful people, and we fail to kind of recognize that in the moment. And uh, I think each one of the interactions that we have in our careers is is uh, super critical in terms of building those experiences. So, just. Uh, enjoying those uh, moments uh, and and treating every single uh, interaction. Sometimes it's with your boss. Sometimes it's with your team uh, as great opportunities for learning. That would be uh, my big, big takeaway. And part of that, I wish to spend a bit more time uh, writing about those experiences. Sometimes like you're so in the midst of doing these transactions, like I've pulled all nighters and done these complex deals, raised, raising capital for companies and and licensing deals and they're we're talking like mega million deals um and i i wish that i took the taking the time to kind of journal around some of those experiences because yeah another couple of books written well it's not even it's not about that but just in terms of appreciating like what you get out of those things exactly you're dealing with all of these complex you know legal terms and all of these things that are great learning experiences but it's all in our head now like you know, i can i can recall it vividly in terms of the pain points that we've experienced in those things but i i just i just wish that um i had taken more time to to really uh appreciate those moments because they, they went they went very rapidly and that is thinking past the finish line right yeah yeah great what i've learned from my bosses is a responsibility that I expect like my team to be able to share with their teams and so forth. So I think it's like, it's a cycle that, that continues to evolve, but it's an important one because that's how innovation happens. It certainly does. It certainly does. So for folks listening to this, who would like to get a copy of catapult would love to learn more about you, the work that sky bioscience are doing. Where's the best place for us to send them? Yeah, you can uh, send them to my website uh, and uh, it's panitdillon.com. And uh, there are several tabs on, on the website uh, that can lead you to the book, as well as uh, contacting me if you have any questions. Uh, I would be uh, happy to uh, respond. Brilliant. And we'll make sure they're in the show notes as well. Thank you so much, Steve. So thanks for ever so much for being on the show, Benit. And thank you for sharing some stories. 
And we very much look forward to having you a part of our network. Thank you so much, Steve. I genuinely want to say a heartfelt thanks for taking time out of your day to listen in too. We do this in the service of helping others and spreading the word of leadership. Without you listening in, there would be no show. So please subscribe now if you haven't done so already. Share this podcast with your communities and network and help us develop a community and a tribe of leadership hackers. And finally, if you'd like me to work with your senior team, your leadership community, keynote an event, or you would like to sponsor an episode, please connect with us via our social media. And you can do that by following and liking our pages on Twitter and Facebook. Our handle there is at Leadership Hacker. Instagram, you can find us there at the underscore leadership underscore hacker. And at YouTube, we're just Leadership Hacker. So that's me signing off. I'm Steve Rush, and I've been the Leadership Hacker.